three, two, one. From down in the dirty bird. Oh my goodness gracious. The only mustard buzzard podcast on the planet. This is Buzzardry. Here are your hosts, Ben Milam and Patrick McGee. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Buzzardry. It is very, very good to be back with you. It is Sunday night, December 18th at the time of this recording. This episode of Buzzardry is brought to you by Big Gold Nation. That is southernmiss.rivals.com. Be sure to head over to Big Gold Nation to check out the special they have running. Use the discount code RIVALS22 to get your first full year for just $22 with code RIVALS22. Thanks to Big Gold Nation for sponsoring the episode. As always, my name is Ben Milam, and I'm joined, as always, by my partner, Patrick McGee. Pat, how you doing? Glad to be here on this Sunday evening. That's right. Merry Christmas to you and yours, by the way. We will not be here uh, next week. We'll take the week off for Christmas. And on that New Year's weekend, that is TBD. We'll keep you updated on that. We'll, we'll probably do something. We'll put something out. Not totally sure what that'll look like yet. But it is, uh, like I said, great to be back with you as the 2022 Southern Miss football season concludes in exactly the way we wanted it to, Patrick. We talked about how momentous it would go either way with a win or a loss. In, it would have a lot to, to do with how you felt about this season and this game, a uh, perfect example of just what this season was, I think, up and down in a lot of ways. Frustrating in a lot of ways. You saw some bright spots, uh, especially in that first half. And then you go into this this gap in the third quarter where you can't stop Rice, and they scored 21 un- unanswered points. And uh, things look a little bleak at, at that point, and you, you kind of – feel like oh well it can never be easy and it also felt a little like rice was about to run away with it a little bit i think that was the fear and uh that's just the way the ball game was going but you you turn it around scored 21 unanswered of your own after that little spell in the third quarter close it out and get a big 38 24 win in that ball game and finish above 500 you get a winning record at seven and six, and like I said, finished the right way. First thoughts on that bowl game last night, Pat? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously the the first thing that comes to mind is Frank Gore Jr. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Running for my goodness, three hundred twenty nine yards on twenty one carries. Also threw for a touchdown, and yep. yeah, so that set the uh, FBS or the USM uh, all time single game record, the uh, bowl record. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was just kind of a the interior of the O line uh, dominated all night long, and. Uh, gave Gore opportunity to run for a bunch of yards. And, uh, you know, really that last run where he uh, broke off for a touchdown was kind of the exclamation point there where he got in the open field and made a couple guys miss and was able to get in there uh, to the end zone for a touchdown. But, yeah, it, it was a um, one of those games where you felt like you were in control uh, at halftime. You didn't feel like you had much um, – there was much to worry about. And then all of a sudden, Rice started just uh, breaking off some big plays. I mean, they outscored – they scored 21 points in the first uh, 10 minutes of the second half, and it was just, yeah, I don't know if it was missed coverages, I mean, or yep. blown assignments or what, but they were uh, scoring a bunch of points, and you had turnovers uh, that contributed to that, where they had a low, had a fumble uh, there. 
that led to a rice score. Um, so, yeah, it was just that first 10 minutes you really played poorly. Uh, but outside of that, and, I mean, you can't really take that part out, but outside of those 10 minutes, the other 50 minutes, you play pretty good football. Um, and this was a game where, in terms of yards per play, USM had um, – Nine point six yards per play, which is outstanding. Pretty good. Yeah, and then you rice did six point one, so you were three and a half yards per play above them um, in that in that stat, which uh, shows that you were the better team. And um, so yeah, it was a game where you play pretty good football. You had just a lapse there for whatever reason during those ten minutes in the uh, start of the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, it, it was a pretty good performance, and it gives you a lot to build on, I think, for 2023. Yeah, it does. And obviously, Frank Gore Jr. is is the story of this game. But you you touched on it there. I mean, the offensive line really did dominate for the majority of 60 minutes, which is a huge reason Frank Gore Jr. was was able to do what he did. Uh, I mean, he's just a guy. You get him in space, and he's, he's going to do special things. And, you know, there were large parts of the season where he did not have space to work with. But the running lanes were there. They were created uh, by the guys up front. I thought the blocking schemes were great. Uh, I thought the play calling was was pretty good. I think that third quarter, there was, of course, you, you know, you go through spells like that and you start doubting everything and you become overly negative a little bit. But it felt like the coaching staff was getting out coached a little bit in that in that third quarter but I thought they made the adjustments necessary after that spell to get back in the game and, and retake that momentum, and particularly on the offensive end, start to find that success on the ground again. Yeah, so when you went down 24-17, you, um, you kind of went to the super back there as, I guess, a change of pace for a little while, and you were able uh, to, yeah, not all that ever to make a 24-24, you hit uh, low hit casting for a 19-yard play, but then... Uh, you started going uh, exclusively super back for the uh, remaining remainder of that drive where you got a, a defensive holding, uh, and then you got Gore to run up uh, for a 25-yard gain out of the super back, and then uh, then he completed that pass to uh, Demims uh, for an 18-yard gain, so or, or for an 18-yard touchdown. So that was what kind of got you back into it, and then after that defense started to uh, kind of eat a little bit, uh, the pass rush really cranked up, yep. and then you saw – um, you went back to the, I guess, uh, traditional, um, you know, spread offense there. Uh, after that, after that, you made it 24-24. They hit um, low hit Brownlee on that uh, play uh, to make it 31-24. And Beautiful then, throw. Great throw. And, yeah, then uh, I guess traded a couple more drives with, uh, without scoring. And then, yeah, Gore put the exclamation there. So, yeah, they made adjustments. They, kind of, they knew, you know, when to run the super back and, you know, kind of when to go back and forth and switch in and out. Uh, just kind of feeling the game there. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, it was um, a good job by the staff adjusting there, uh, especially, I guess, you know, you kind of look at the defense where you were, you're like you're saying, kind of getting out coached there, uh, started the second half, and then you're able to make adjustments defensively where you were yep. you know, able to shut them down um, on offense or for the remainder of the game. So, yeah. Yeah, and as we, we talked about last week, I mean, the expectation for Rice was that it was going to be a grounded pound approach, and that's what they've been all season. But they threw it a lot, 37 Attempts through the year. Uh, Padgett, the backup, I mean, you know, his, his numbers were not just insane. He was just over 50% completion-wise, but threw for just about 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, he was he was pretty dang yeah. good, and he was carving you up, especially in that third quarter, which is why it was such a big deal when you started to get consistent pressure in the backfield. Obviously, Dalen Gill is, is the story in the pass rush. He had three sacks. But, uh, you know, after that third quarter, Padgett really didn't have a whole lot of time to sit back and, 
and uh, pick his spots, which is where the game turned. I don't think that was a coincidence. Yeah, and you look, so I guess he would have had the 37 um, attempts with five sacks, so five of his yeah. or 42 dropbacks, you'd say, uh, were sacks. And then, uh, yeah, low. I mean, it was just kind of, I guess, a more um, where you assume was, like you were saying, it was almost a reversal, I guess, where Rice was kind of throwing it around and, um, not that USM had been throwing around a bunch, but I guess Rice threw it more than you thought, and then mm-hmm. USM kind of continued what they'd been doing to just you know run to the ball a lot and below just kind of make it a game manager type, and he was able to manage enough where you're able to get enough big pass plays uh, between both Low and Gore. Uh, yeah, he had or total between the two, you had 199 or 189 yards passing, uh, three touchdowns, no picks, but yeah, you had two sacks. Um. So yeah, the run game, the story, but you did get enough of of of, pa- of a passing game to yeah, where you mm-hmm. were able to have that um nine plus yards per play. Right. There was some balance there, and I don't know if we, I don't know if we mentioned it, uh, in the preview last week, but Rice was, zero five coming into the game when they gave up one fifty plus on the ground, and so that was, I mean, that was their game, and. You know, obviously they had a chance to win it at the end here, but I mean, the the fact that you were able to control the clock for the majority of the game, given what Frank Gore Jr. was doing. And like you said, you had some balance on the passing end to open up those lanes. And that's what, you know, we knew the offense was close. And not not that this was, this is not the offense, the Will Hall offense that we hope to see next year. But it was, I would say, as close as, uh, that uh, as close as we have seen in these two years, I think, uh, especially with your success on the ground. I mean, you haven't gotten anywhere near that, and you know, a big part of that was just Frank Gore Jr. had a had a really special night. But I thought it came together as a whole offensively. We just haven't seen that in big long stretches this season. Yeah, I mean, the last two games of the year, you had a uh, overall eight point three yards per play, and it, you know, you could have had more scoring. You had missed a couple opportunities here and there in the red zone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, you did see a glimpse of that um, that offense that Hall had at Tulane that was really good. And I think it gives you something to build on for 2023. You look, if you can yeah. improve that pass protection, you can find stability at the quarterback position. I mean, just kind of get almost average, maybe a little bit above average um, quarterback play. You're going to have an offense that could be pretty good next year yep. um, and put up some numbers and, you know, yards and points and all those kind of things. So I think you, you kind of saw you're not a finished product, but um, just kind of low really those last – um, several games, even though he wasn't, you know, lighting the roll on fire, you would say, gave you enough in the passing game where it showed you kind of a vision of what the Hall offense is going to look like in the future. Yeah, that's exactly right. And like I said, it, you know, it had a lot to do how you were going to feel in this offseason, whether or not you won this game. I, I mean, you go to the end of that first half, and you really should have been up 24-3. And obviously, you, you can't take away what happened in the game. Uh, you know, if Southern Miss would have scored more points, we would have won by more. Um, but it, I, I thought you, you know, outside of those 10 minutes in the third quarter, it was, you did what you should have done against Rice. Southern Miss was the better football team. You're more talented. And that showed outside of those those lapses in the in the third quarter. And I think that, that space in the third quarter where, you know, seemingly nothing was going right on either side of the ball, that – that was a reflection of, you know, sort of what we have seen these these last two years, sort of the bad side of the, the rebuild. And that time seems to be shortening, uh, or it has shortened over the last two years to where it's it's a, you know, small space in the game relative to the, 
the full 60 minutes and then you're able to turn it around and come back. I mean, you would, I don't, there were no games where you would have come back and won after losing all the momentum like that and dominating the first half, completely falling apart for the, the large part of the third quarter and being able to come back and dominate the fourth quarter. I thought that was a really big sign, like you said, a step forward and kind of a glimpse at what we hope it can be next year. What else stood out to you in this game? I mean, great crowd. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably, I, I, would, probably would have been 8 to 12K and mm-hmm. it's really loud on TV. There's somebody that yeah. was our Bud Elliott uh, from 247 Sports. He said he gave USM, I think, 0.75 of home field, or and I guess that's usually three. Um, but he said, just based on the crowd noise, he said he probably should have made it more than that. So I think it was mm-hmm. a really good crowd. It was just yeah. a really good publicity for the program. I mean, just kind of the Frank Gore aspect of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he got a couple, I guess, meme moments uh, there at the end of the game. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it was just really good publicity for the program playing on ESPN. It was an exciting game. I mean, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, just on paper, you, you look at the or I guess average viewer won it take a lot from a 6-6, six and 5-7 six, and seven game. It was a very entertaining game, I thought, probably. I mean, I, I didn't watch the last two. I don't know what happened in the last two games of the day, but I think or with SMU and BYU and North Texas boys. But, I mean, I have to think that was probably the most exciting bowl game of, uh, of Saturday. And, uh, yeah, it just gives you a positive momentum with fans uh, and, you know, just the media. Yeah. Uh, and it gives you uh, some hope uh, heading into 2023. And, yeah, you're, you have, um, you know, we'll get into 2023 probably later on in the year. Um, but, yeah, it's, there's going to be, um, you know, some expectations to kind of take yes. another step uh, in this building up of the program. And you talk about 2023 there. I mean, the good news is even even after all of the calls for Frank Gore Jr. to transfer, because apparently a lot of people thought after that performance last night he was obviously better than Southern Miss, but Frank <laughs> Gore right. Jr. does not think so. He quelled the transfer rumors that uh, kicked up after that performance, and so Frank will be back. I mean, you bring back the majority of the roster with uh, whatever it was, 71, 72 freshmen and sophomores. And so, yeah, I, exciting um, into the season. And like you said, that's a a very successful season. Um, And I I think I would have, even if you had lost this game, you know, it may have taken a few days uh, to to get over the sting of it, but I think I would have called it a successful season, even going six and seven after getting to a bowl game. But this just makes it that much sweeter. And like you said, takes the momentum into this stretch of recruiting after the dead period and into 2023 with um, all that you have coming back. And it's just just a great way to, to end the season. I thought it came together really, really well. It didn't rain. Um, right. You know, it's um, a lot of things just went right yesterday. And, you know, outside of that third quarter, it was a pretty sweet day to be a Southern Miss fan. Anything else on this bowl game? Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll come back to a few things that, that, um, that happened in this game as we look back on the 2023 season, we, we might, we'll probably do a, a recap. We'll look back through the whole 2022 campaign. Uh, but anything else stand out in this game in particular? Uh, I think that is it. Yeah, first uh, bowl win since 2016, mm-hmm. first winning season since 2019. Yep. And, uh, yeah, step in the right direction for the program. That is exactly right. And speaking of transfers, a few more since we last talked about yeah, so we talked about um, Billy Wiles, the uh, quarterback from Clemson, as a possibility, and he officially, um, officially, I guess, committed. I guess maybe not signed yet because it's signing day is not until uh, mm-hmm. later this week. 
Uh, we got him. We talked about him. He's a guy. He was a low three-star type guy. Um, committed to Tulane when Hall was there, and then I guess he I think he decommitted, walked on to a Clemson when Hall took the job here. Uh, and he's a guy that played all this year. Played in uh, through four passes. I think it went two for four through a touchdown pass against UConn last year and some garbage time for Clemson. Uh, so he's a guy. This uh, you're going to add in the quarterback room, and he he just hasn't played enough to where you you know what he's going to do or kind of expect anything. But he um. You know, he could be good. He could be average. He could be not good. We don't know. But he's a guy that's going to uh, be in that quarterback mix there uh, for 2023. And it's just um, you're kind of adding, you know, we've certainly talked about quarterback being a position in need and writing another guy there. So now you've added two players there Mm -hmm. in that quarterback room uh, with Holman Edwards and um, and Billy Wiles. So I think that was very much needed um, and, you know, expected. Uh, given the uh, instability quarterback the last several years. And then you also added, just uh, announced uh, last night, Eric Thomas, who is an edge player uh, from Arkansas. He is originally from uh, Pensacola. Mm. And uh, let me see. I I don't know how much uh, his his playing time was there at Arkansas. I want to say he appeared in all 12 games. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I think. So, because he's showing, or I think, yeah, participating in all 12 games. Uh, I mean, didn't put up big numbers, but he was a guy. Uh, he was a mid-three-star uh, type guy there at uh, Booker T. Washington High School in Pensacola. Um, so, yeah, adding another guy to the um, kind of the pass rush. And, um, yeah, it was just kind of the uh, that roster building philosophy of um, adding guys from the SEC schools that are kind of buried in the depth chart of these schools. They're kind of from, or they're from the footprint. Uh, they found a spot here and, um, yeah, get a chance to play. So that's kind of, you know, certainly we talked about that being a big part of the uh, Will Hall roster building uh, philosophy. Um, and that is uh, continued with um, uh, the addition of Eric Thomas. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, those were the two big um, – or, yeah, the two transfers yeah. uh, that were added this last week. And then we'll probably see some more, I guess, over – uh, this upcoming week, you have signing day, so all these guys that we've talked about are going to officially be on the dotted line by uh, is Wednesday or Thursday. I don't remember the exact day. Sometime this week, um, and then they'll have another chance. Uh, you'll have probably another wave of transfers mm-hmm. after bowl games. Yeah, there's a there's a dead period over this next week and a half, two weeks or something. Right, and then yeah, yeah we talked about the portal closes in um, mid January. Right. So this is the first wave of transfers, and then you'll see some more guys get added. Um, in January, late December, or like you said, this dead period. So in January, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this is um, first wave of the transfers, and uh, but yeah, still it ain't done yet. Oh no, keep your eyes peeled. Yeah, let's let's talk about the quarterback spot in particular because we had um, we had mused last week whether or not you were going to go get another guy. I think we we were both pretty sure you were going to go get someone else, and you do with Billy Wiles. He's got talent. Uh, I think he looks really strong on tape. But the fact remains, he is he is not an experienced quarterback at the collegiate level, and that that is obviously the hope, and that is very much easier said than done uh, to do. And you know, there were uh, reports of Luke Altmeyer being on campus last week, and so the question now, I think, for, for some people, is: Are you done at quarterback? And and I I don't think you are. Um, I think you could be. But I think, you know, given the experience of, of what the staff went through last year, I think you may be shot a, a little high, it felt like. I mean, you went after, you know, obviously all we have to go on are, are rumors and, and reports. There's nothing official 
and all of the recruiting stuff. But you know, it was it was uh, John Rice Plumley, Emory Jones from Florida, and obviously Miles Brennan. And any any one of those three guys would have been a big difference maker had experience. And then when you weren't able to land any of those guys, you were kind of left with nothing. Um, and obviously, the staff believed in Ty Keys. Were excited about Zach Wilkie, but to me, this approach differs this year relative to last year, in that they were going to get guys that that can come in and compete, whether or not they had experience. And I think they're still going to go after these big fish. And if they can land one of those guys, be it Altmaier or someone else, then you have you know, a kind of a front runner for the starting position, a guy that has experience at the collegiate level or a guy that's maybe more higher profile. But I think if they don't get a guy like that, I think they're done. Is, is that the, the sort yes. of sense you get? Right, and I think you kind of look at that Miles Brennan thing where you almost felt like you were kind of waiting. You put all your chips yes. into the Miles or all your eggs in the Miles Brennan basket, and then when he ended up staying at LSU, you're like, whoa, you're, you're kind of left holding the bag a little right, bit. Right. And what this situation is, they're not waiting on – an Altmaier or another kind of mm-hmm. blue chip type quarterback. They're gonna it's either you want to be here or you don't, and you can come if you want to. But we're gonna go ahead and add these yeah. other guys. So yeah, I mean, I think that's I think they thought staff has learned their lesson and they're making the right moves. Yeah, just As, can't can't afford to have you can't, a situation like you've had the last two years. You can't wait. Right. Yeah, right. And you got to go ahead and add the guys you want to go and add. And if Altmaier wants to come along, then he can come along. But um, you have to compete with these other guys. So I think they're making yeah right the right moves there. Uh, by adding Edwards and uh, and Wiles and not wasting any time with that, and yeah, we'll see if they add anybody else in the uh, in the quarterback room, and we'll mm-hmm. see if anybody from this current quarterback room that's already on the roster yeah. uh, departs. You know, there's yeah. always rumors about that, so we'll um, you know comment on those whenever if if any of those come into fruition. Um, but yeah, I think uh, they've uh, they've added two quarterbacks, which I, th- I felt like you had to add two. I know people were kind of saying yeah, it had one, but I think you had to at least have two, and you know who knows, you could have three. Um, so I think you're, you're revamping the quarterback room, and uh, I think the approach they're taking this year versus what they were taking last year um, is is good. I think they've I they've learned their lesson from the uh, the Brennan saga from last year. Yeah, I agree, and that is I think it's very much what needed to happen. And and I think the assumption is, and I'm sure the staff is is probably operating on the the expectation that if you do land a guy like Altmaier, then you're probably you're going to push some guys off the roster. You're going to have some guys enter the portal. And we there's obviously been nothing official on that. But, I mean, you're going to have on the roster, what, seven or eight quarterbacks yeah. on the roster if, if you include all of the walk-ons and everybody in that room uh, that are expected to come back. I mean, I think the assumption is Trey Lowe is done, as we, we talked about last week, as he, he went out there on senior day. And, yeah, I mean, it just gets – it's gets crowded, and it is crowded with those two guys added and could be even more crowded. So, uh, obviously, we will keep tabs on that along with the rest of you, and we'll break it down as that information comes along. Pat, anything else on football in general? Uh, I think that's it. Uh, we, we won't – I guess we won't recap the Sun Belt. We'll do after all the Sun Belt Bowls are over. We'll recap yeah. all those in a couple of weeks. But, yep. yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, and final, the final Sunbelt Bowl is the twenty seventh. Is that right? The that, yes, uh, yeah. There's two. There's the Camellia and the uh, the Birmingham. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, uh, we will come back through, and that we'll we'll bundle that into our our twenty twenty two season recap. We'll go back through the Sunbelt. Uh, just really quick, uh, big win for Troy. Nice to yes, nice yes. to see the Trojans 
to get a W over UTSA. That was that was big for the Sun Belt. Uh, all right, let's talk a little basketball, Pat. Me and you were both at uh, the McNeese State game this afternoon. Let's go back a little bit and talk the uh, doubleheader, if you will, against Lamar home and away. Yeah, so these were two games. If you know, let me pull up the box, over, these were two games. The, you won fairly easily. The uh, the game today was a little, um, I guess, more competitive. Um, but you go back uh, to Lamar, and it was a. Um, uh, let's see. Wait did did we talk about the first Lamar game? Yes, we did. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you see, you beat Lamar ninety one sixty five there in Beaumont on Tuesday, and it was a competitive game. Yeah. Uh, for really the first. Uh, 16 minutes. It was tied 25-25 with um right before the um under four timeout. Uh, and and we knew just based on how home court advantage works and how it's very hard to win on the road in college basketball that it was going to be a closer game than the one in mm-hmm. Hattiesburg. Uh, but at the end of that first half, you you went on a little run. You took 11 point lead and then you started to pull away in the second half and you win by 26. Uh, just a couple notes. Uh, USM broke the all time record for most three pointers. Um, attempted, and that was 42 uh, attempted in this game, broke the previous record, and it was, it was 40 against Mississippi State, 95 or 96. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you shot a lot of threes. You had Hase was 6 of 8. I mean, he was, you know, the MVP in this game. He scored uh, would have been um, 28 points on 12 shots. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. 28 points on 12 shots. He had 10 or 13 rebounds. Uh, so, he had a phenomenal game. And um, a couple other guys – uh, Ivory may, uh, was two or four from three, and um, so yeah, it was a game where maybe you didn't play, I guess, great defensively. Uh, you gave up, I mean, sixty-five points. Although that's not sixty-five points, it was a um, it was like seventy-four possessions. So that's not as not quite as bad, just because it was the quicker pace game, which we can get into later. But uh, USM has been uh, picking up the pace significantly these last several games. You had seventy-six possessions against Northwestern State, seventy-four against Lamar, um, in both games, and then today against Magnitsky at seventy-five. So they're averaging about 75 possessions a game, which is, you know, pretty fast in college basketball, among the fastest um, in college basketball if you're averaging 75. Um, so with that, with, yeah, that's been the case over the last four games. And then, um, so, yeah, it was it was a pretty stress-free win. Um, yep. It was, you yeah, know, like you said, 60, first 60 minutes uh, back and forth. The last 24 minutes um, was very one-sided. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, like you said, it is hard to win on the road – in college basketball, especially a team you played, what, two days before that? Three. Uh, yeah, three. Two, yeah, three yeah. days before that. And so I thought it was uh, it was just kind of a gritty win. Um, but, yeah, I think I think, I think think we did see that. I mean, you, you mentioned the offensive pace. That, that was something I, I saw today and uh, wanted to talk about. Uh, but that, that theme was kind of noticed for the first time. And like you said, the, the pace has quickened over the last – week or two for this group. Um, so, yeah, 86-67 win over McNeese State. And what did you say, 75 possessions? Yes, yeah, 75 possessions. Um, yeah, I mean, well, a couple of things stood out in this game. First of all, that pace, I mean, this this team has already sort of evolved a little bit. And I think Jay Ladner recognizes he has much better shooting than he had a year ago, guys who can create create their own shot, guys who can put it on the floor, collapse a defense, and find open guys. And I think I think Donovan Ivory has been a little bit of a surprise. I don't know that they really expected him to be the offensive weapon he's become. Uh, Mo Arnold had 14, was really good today, hit two threes. 
And so I, I think it's a it's a result of finding some playmakers and shot makers that you weren't necessarily maybe not expecting, but weren't going to be counting on offensively. And you have found that and found that they are guys that you can count on. And uh, I mean, the other thing is, you know, obviously it's been Felipe Hase, it's been Austin Crowley. It's, I mean, it's been those two guys leading the way offensively. When one of them is off, it's usually the other guy having 20 plus. Um, but this afternoon, I mean, you, you look at this stat sheet and I think it's, a really strong sign when neither of those guys, I mean, they were both in double figures. And I think, I think that's kind of the expectation. You kind of need that at least one of the two, uh, Hase with 19 Crowley with 14, but, um, I mean, Deandre Pinckney with 18, you had five guys in w, double figures I mentioned Arnold's 14 ivory with 10. Um, you have enough playmakers on offense, guys who can make shots be it from beyond the arc or elsewhere on the floor, that this this offense can play at a quicker pace. You don't have to just sit back and run sets for the two two offensive weapons you have. You have weapons across the floor. And this, of course, is without Denajay Harris, who played a few minutes this afternoon, and without your original starting point guard, Neftali Alvarez. And it'll be interesting to see how they balance that with how well Bo Arnold is playing. Uh, but I think you got to be excited particularly on the offensive end for this group what we've seen the last couple of weeks yeah I mean you just look at the last um we're talking about the last four games you scored 82 95 91 and 86 and I don't know the exact uh uh let's see uh let's see off efficiency yeah I mean you averaged over um one point per or one one you had 1.08 points per possession against Northwestern State then you had uh one or 1.29 against Lamar in the first game, 1.23 um, in the second game, and then against McNeese, at 1.15. So the offense has been very efficient yep. um, along with the um, pace. You know, it's not like they're just kind of going up and down the floor and just, you know, missing shots and, and having 10 uh, second possessions and not doing anything, but they're yeah. being yeah. really efficient. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was a game where you really – I mean, you didn't even play probably an A game. You probably played kind of closer no. to a B-minus game, and you were still able to win – uh, by 19 against a McNeese team that I mean they're not a very good team but they um they almost beat um ULO the other night there in Lake Charles that was an eight point game but was yeah. watched a little bit of the second half of that uh, it was close throughout um so yeah I mean you've had now three straight wins of uh, of 19 or more mm-hmm. and uh, you, you just look at uh, the Sun Belt as a whole I mean I think uh, maybe we can get in the Sun Belt later in the year or just just kind of looking at the conference but I mean there's kind of a the upper half and the bottom half. I mean, the first, the first seven and the top seven, I think, have kind of uh, separated themselves. I think you look at the top seven teams, and in no particular order, I think you look at JMU, Marshall, USM, Truly, Old Dominion, um, and South Al, and ULL. Uh, so those are your top seven teams, and then you have the bottom seven. Uh, so I think out of those top seven, uh, I think any one of those could win the regular season. Um, I, I would say that probably the – I think any of those seven can win the regular season. I think the top five would be, you know, JMU, Marshall, USM, ULL, and Troy. Uh, but, yeah, it's just been, you know, just the continued um, improvement from this team where you, now you're kind of almost knocking on the door of uh, the net. Well, I think you were top 20 in the net, uh, the latest net, which came out a couple days ago, um, top almost in the top 100 of um, Torvik, which, I mean, the, uh, Torvik and Ken Palmer still phasing out the uh, the preseason part of uh 
their rankings. The net only takes into account what's happened this year. Um, so, yes, yeah, you know, we just keep kind of saying the same thing every week because the team is playing really well, but you just playing good basketball, and it's, yeah. it's been tremendous improvement uh, for the last three years. Yeah, and, and there might be a question of how much the offensive success or the margin of victory is reflective of the level of competition of these last few weeks. You haven't, you haven't just played great competition, especially Lamar and McNeese State, and that'll change the final non-conference game of the season. You head to Las Vegas. Pat, you'll be there, correct? Yes, yeah, uh, barring uh, any... Uh, blight uh, right. uh, disasters, yeah. so hopefully nothing gets delayed. But yes, yeah. I am planning to be at the Thomas & Mack Center on uh, on Thursday night. Yeah, that'll be fun. So Thursday, UNLV, who was undefeated, mm-hmm. uh, lost their first game of the season against San Francisco uh, by one possession, 75-73, I think was the final score of that one. San Francisco always always really good, and I think they're 9-3, and 10-2, something like that. Um, but that that is going to be one of because you've played some some pretty good teams, especially in the early part of the schedule. That'll be one of your biggest tests so far, and a pretty good measuring stick, especially on the road across the country. I mean, that is that is a tough tough matchup. Yeah, so I mean, you, you look at UNLV; they're a team. They're ten and one. Uh, just looking at their net, they are fifty-eight net. By the way, USM I said they were they were top tw- or top twenty a couple days ago. Twenty-four now, um, and this I don't think this, it has been updated since the uh, this last game. But yeah, UNLV they're fifty-eight net, fifty-one in Torvik, seventy-seven in um in uh in Ken Palm, uh, and they're a team. They have a couple solid wins. I, I would say none that um really are wow wins. Uh, but they beat Dayton earlier in the year at home. Mm-hmm. Dayton was a preseason top 25 team. Hasn't, haven't lived up to that expectation, but they're a solid team. Uh, beat Southern Illinois on a neutral floor. Southern Illinois is kind of a fringe top 100 team. Beat Minnesota. Minnesota's not good. but uh, They also beat uh, Washington State uh, last week. They beat them 74-70. Washington State's a pretty good team. Uh, and, yeah, they're, they're, so they just lost to uh, San Francisco. Uh, on Saturday, and that was a, a game where they really kind of blew it. They had a nine-point lead uh, with three minutes left in the game, and San Francisco, was, uh, they, yeah, they closed the game on a uh, a 11 to nothing run. Wow. Uh, but you look at UNLV, they brought in some transfers. You look at uh, EJ Harkless, he's um, been a big guy for him. He, I think he's leading him a minutes. Um, he's a transfer from Oklahoma. Luis Rodriguez, a transfer from Ole Miss. Uh, and then they kind of have a couple uh, guys. Keyshawn Gilbert is, um, I guess, homegrown player. He's a sophomore. Uh, he's been good for me, shooting 50% from three. Uh, so it's kind of a mix of uh, talent they imported and a couple guys that have been in the program uh, for a while, which you know, kind of similar to USM in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look, so the, the things that jumps out, jump out to me when I look at UNLV they are number two in the country in forcing turnovers. They turn over their opponents 29% of the time. Wow. Um, yeah, so, um, and then now the flip side of that, it, are they, so they play a uh, the pack line defense, they, which means they devote a lot of resources um, inside the paint, inside closer to the room. So they're not going to give you a lot of easy shots. So the flip side is that, of that is they've given up, um, let's see here, 44.4% of their points that they've allowed are through or beyond the arc. 
uh, which is number one in the country. So teams have uh, looks at threes, and then you look at so 50%, over 50% of the shots that are taken against UNLV are also threes. So teams shoot a lot of threes against them. Uh, that, 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 I mean, they've given up 33 point, or teams are shooting 33.3% against them from three, which is pretty average. But teams, just because you're going to have a lot of good looks against them, uh-huh. uh, they shoot a lot of them, and they just make a lot of them just because of the uh, the volume. So this is a game where you looked at USM, shot over 43s against Lamar in the second game, shot over 33s um, against uh, McNeese today. This is a game that you could see, I mean, another a similar number to that where you uh-huh. might have 25, 30, 35 threes taken just because UNLV, based on the defense they play, with that ball pressure, which is going to create some turnovers. Oh, the flip side of that, the like I was saying, you're going to have um, some looks from beyond the arc. So that's going to be the kind of the key. You're not going to get a lot of uh, easy shots, uh, more than likely, inside the paint just because the defense they play. Uh, but you're going to have some looks at three, and it's going to be you know important to make those. And it's going to also be important, obviously, uh, not to turn the ball over, which UNLV has done a really uh, good job at doing um, defensively. So, Yeah, pretty pretty adept on, on the offensive end. Uh, don't have the advanced metrics in front of me, but just three games below 70. One of those was uh, one of the first games, if not the first. It was the first game. Scored 66 against uh, Southern. And, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mixed bag of results. I mean, this is not uh, a juggernaut you're playing, but like you said, I mean, it's interesting matchup as far as the way that Southern Miss has played over these last few weeks, particularly the way that UNLV plays defensively. Um, and, I mean, two two offenses that have been really good, especially over the last couple of weeks. I mean, UNLV has scored over the last two weeks, 95, 77, 74, and 75 in that or 73, excuse me, in that San Francisco loss. And so you're going to have to shoot the, the basketball well, which is, you know, kind of kind of hit or miss on the road. Um, you know, it's it's going to be hopefully, you know, kind of a, a back-and-forth game against a really good team. And you got to take care of the basketball, obviously, because that, that's their game. Um, but when Southern Miss has struggled, you know, in the few spots – this season, you go back to that Northwestern State game when you, you turn the basketball over a bunch, you were not able to find the rhythm on offense and Northwestern State at home was able to really hold the momentum the majority of that game, even though Southern Miss led for, for the majority of that game. And so you got to take care of the basketball. you got to shoot the basketball pretty well, especially from beyond the arc. And that's a big one. It'll take you into conference play, host Troy. No, wait, no you'll be on the road first, right? No, it's the two-game home. It's a Troy and App State. You're right. Yeah, so Troy on the 29th is the opener of conference play. Yeah, we'll be we'll be into the, the meat and potatoes of Sunbelt basketball. And like you said, this, this game has a lot to do with your expectations, uh, although those expectations, I think, have been, have been set uh, pretty well. I think you're expected to be competitive in conference play. And obviously, we'll talk about that, but it should be a fun one on Thursday night. Do we know what? Uh, TV network slash streaming service. It's going to be on something called like the Mountain West Net. It's an online deal. I think it's free, though, because I pulled up a stream on there just kind of test out. It was like a Boise versus somebody basketball game. Uh, So it should be free, so people should be able um, to get that on their smart TV if you have one of those and just stream it through that or just, you know, watch on your phone or computer or whatever. Um, So I think it's pretty easy to do. And, uh, yeah, that's a 9 o'clock tip in, uh, in Hattiesburg. Yeah, late. It'll be late. Late basketball. Basketball after dark. Go bring us home a win from Sin City, Pat. Uh, anything else on basketball? 
Uh, I think that is it. I guess, yeah, just just one last thing on UNLV. UNLV I mean, I guess this is maybe the toughest game you'll have this year just okay. based on this on the road. Uh, I mean, you look at James Madison is right around where you – yeah, they're two spots ahead of UNLV and Ken Palm. So, but that the, you play James Madison only once, and that's at home. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is, as far as road games go, I mean, this is just – I mean, this will be harder than any – uh, Sunbelt Road game you would play other than maybe Marshall. Marshall's 82 in Ken Palm. So UNLV and Marshall, those are comparable teams. But it just goes to, it, if you go up there and compete, or especially if you win, you know, this would certainly be a um, a good omen for things other yeah. than Sunbelt play. So. Yeah. Well, we will uh, we'll talk about that again. We will uh, we'll let you know what the plan is for that weekend of New Year's Eve slash New Year's and uh, we'll do something. And we are going to do, like I said, we'll do a, a football season recap, and we'll take some questions, and we will we'll put a nice bow on it um, and wrap everything up as we move into basketball in earnest. Pat, anything else before we wrap it up? I think that is it. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, Golden Eagles finish the season with a win in the Lending Tree Bowl, and, it, boy, it was it was fun. It was just especially late in that second half. It uh, got loud. It, it really did. Yeah, and, and it was not just a gigantic crowd. Uh, and that, that stadium also feels kind of quiet, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of – and maybe it was just because of where we were sitting and, you know, kind of the, the band was way down from us. We didn't really hear the band. But it was not quiet late in that game, especially, yeah, as the, as the uh, final seconds came off the clock and Golden Eagles finished 7-6. and six. Whole lot of fun, great season. Again, we will look back at the season as a whole and wrap it all up for you. That is Patrick McGee. My name is Ben Milam. We both wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time. This has been Buzzer Dream. Thanks for listening, and be sure to share and leave a review. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Buzzer Dream Pod for all you need to know about the show. See you next time.